Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 82. We're your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hello, everyone. How's everybody doing? Hello. Trying well, not to die of the ash that I know. is falling last, down from Last the couple sky. of weeks we complained about it being so hot. And now it actually <laughs> is very, very cool, but for all the wrong reasons. Like yep. literally the dinosaurs died when a meteor came and created so much rubble and ash at it. It blocked out the sun for so many years, like hundreds and hundreds of years. That's how we are right now in <laughs> Southern California. There is no realize, sun. Yeah. There's no sun here in Southern California because of all the wildfires that are happening all at once. And mm-hmm. it's, it's drastically uh, lowered the temperature here, but the air quality is so unhealthy and horrible. Yesterday I tried to go out for a run and I had planned to do 16 miles, but I only did five because my lungs actually started hurting. I couldn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't breathe. Wow. Very well. My eyes are constantly red. Yeah, and my nose just constantly draining. Yes, exactly. Okay. I ha- I haven't stepped outside besides to help my parents bring stuff out um uh, out of the car. I'm just all like, nope, no thank you. I don't want I don't want ash in my hair and I don't want ash in my lungs. So I'm good yeah, and staying inside. Unfortunately, um, there's like just in the Los Angeles area, there's one up near Pasadena. There's one over in the Riverside area. There's actually some, that's just LA. I know there's some a little bit closer to my hometown, but um, a lot of them are either zero or very low percentage contained. And Eddie was telling me this morning that um, there's one here close to our area that they said that is 0% contained and that they probably won't see full containment until the end of October. My God, that's, oh my gosh, that's terrible. Yes. And we could totally tell, I mean, like uh, Jen was saying last episode that the sun looks red. Um, it looks really freaking creepy, like the end of the world. It's crazy. It does. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, dinosaurs. I'm telling you. <laughs> I think a lot of people think it's hot because there's fires and ash and stuff like that, but that's not how it is. Yeah. It like it lowered the temperature drastically. Like the weekend before this, it was a hundred. Like in the highest place it went to it was 121 degrees yes. where i was it was like 109 i know so, it was horrible i mean you guys already know i told you that weekend i was in my chonies and my tata towel <laughs> the whole weekend <laughs> that's what eddie did say he was upset about the fires not because they're destroying wildlife and the forest and whatever but because it made things cold and i'm not wearing my tata towel anymore <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no it's um um it's such a uniquely Californian problem too, as well, because it's it's fire season. We know it's fire season, right. and it, we're um, uh, sad to say we're kind of used to it. We're not used to like just how uh, basically we're used to them happening, mm-hmm. but I don't think we're we're used to just how devastating they really are until mm-hmm. another town is wiped out like Paradise two years ago, which the yes. fire has officially passed. That fire that destroyed that town. 
the current one, I think, what is it, the August Fire they're calling it? It's, 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 I think it's going to like 500,000 acres or something like that. Wow. It's, it's huge. Mm-hmm. It's, it's huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, <sighs> President Trump has all the answers. Didn't he say if we just raked the leaves, this wouldn't happen? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't even know. <laughs> it's yeah, it's um, uh, it's a shit show to say the least. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and unfortunately, one of the fires here, um, which is the oh, what was it called? Uh, I near oh, I can't even remember the name of the city, but it's in the Riverside County area. Um, that one was started by a sadly a gender reveal party where oh, it was yeah. human error. But most of the other ones happening, um, like the one up by San Francisco and up by Pasadena, so those were all lightning strikes. So um, it's Are you, wow, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. That is really crazy. Mm-hmm lightning strikes wow that's crazy if we would have raked the leaves yes oh <laughs> wow got it got it anyway let's get right into it girls <laughs> cheese de la semana Kristen. Well, what do you have or jen you want to start jen go for it jen go Kristen. go ahead Okay, so, well, my cheese is actually something that I just saw um, online today, which I'm kind of excited about because um, I don't know if all of you remember how upset I was when uh, Netflix canceled all of the Marvel TV shows because I was a big fan of all of those TV shows and I was super sad, even though I understood that it was because their own Disney Plus streaming service, which, hello, where's my Marvel Disney Plus streaming service shows? <laughs> I'm supposed to get them back in June, um, and I still don't have anything. But um, so I kind of understood that, and but it was still sad because there was a lot of talk about whether or not the actors were going to reprise their roles or if they were going to completely reboot them and recast them. But today I actually saw a report um, that said that Marvel, and it's just cheese I mean, this is from one of the cheese eist <laughs> websites <laughs> online. Um, but that Marvel reportedly is um, set to open talks with Charlie Cox in December for a Daredevil return. Now, in, in this um, Cheeseman article. It doesn't specifically say if this is for uh, Daredevil to join the MCU through movies or if they're going to do a TV show, but that um, definitely someone high up is a, vi- a big fan of Charlie Cox's Daredevil and wants to see him reprise that role, which I mean, did a great job. Unfortunately really job. for me, that was not my favorite. I did like him in oh that role, <laughs> but Daredevil was not my favorite of the shows. And I know for a lot, and I say unfortunately for me because I get a lot of hate for saying this, um, <laughs> because he that show actually was um, it was a slow burn for me. But just the character development and the story development and everything, um, people love it, and it, I got sorry, I got bored <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> But I'm not going to deny that he was not great in that role. Um, and I'd love to see him reprise it. And I'd love to see more, um, more Daredevil stuff coming to the MCU. So that is my cheese um this week. Yeah, well, that's I mean, awesome like, news. I can't wait. 
Uh-huh. I hope it's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I was gonna say out of all of them, uh, even the Iron Fist one, uh, Daredevil was the most superhero esque one. If uh, if you get me, like it followed okay. most most of the tropes. It followed, uh, like it's very much uh Frank Miller's uh Daredevil Reborn run again, uh-huh. uh, brought brought to the big screen. So it's a uh, I, it is the I think it is one of the more comic booky uh titles on like Luke Cage or Jessica Jones. We don't talk about Iron Fist. Um uh, and... it's thoroughly entertained. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's something. But um yeah, so I I can I can see that. I mean my favorite my favorite one is Luke Cage, so I I I watched Jessica Jones, but I wasn't as into it as a lot of people were. Uh, you so know, I, just... I don't even think I've ever finished Jessica Jones. Now that you mention it, I don't think mm-hmm. I've seen the last season. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I I that, I don't know why, but I just I couldn't really dig Jessica Jones. Yeah, uh, it was like it was good. Uh, but it wasn't my favorite. Luke Cage was my favorite one. Yeah, uh, I really loved Luke Cage too. Um, I'm sorry, but. I could just watch Iron Fist for that one scene with Louis Tan in it over and over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I know, Jen, you have a Chisme de la Semana as well. Yes, I do. And it's uh, unfortunately bad news, but Wonder Woman 1984 and Candyman have both been delayed. Uh, I've never seen Candyman. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I enjoyed it, it. It's it's a good horror movie. It's like it it's pretty good. I watched it when I was a kid. Um uh, and we <laughs> I probably shouldn't have because I was terrified <laughs> of it. Um but uh but this Candyman is supposed to be uh it's as like it's been described as a spiritual sequel to the nineteen ninety two film. Uh, and it didn't have an official release date, just kind of like a vague, oh, maybe we uh, it might come out 2020, but now it's been pushed back to 2021. So it never had an official release date, but it's just it's just been said that it's going to be pushed to 2021. No specification on what month or anything, just that it's been re- uh, delayed on release. Uh, Wonder Woman was actually supposed to come out, um, uh, I believe like next week or something no i believe it was supposed to come out labor day weekend oh that makes Uh, sense yeah but they didn't because tenant uh grossed only two only 20 million at the box office oh Uh, and so warner bros uh delayed wonder woman and it's been uh delayed for christmas oh uh, which i don't think will stand i don't think it's going to um uh I don't think it's going to last. I think they're going to delay it again. And yeah. I don't think, I don't know why they're giving us dates when <laughs> oh, I, right. it's just like, just say you're delaying it till next year. Don't even, don't give us a date like Candyman yeah. uh, did. I'm like, I'm perfectly okay. But like giving, like saying, oh, we're going to release it this date. No, never mind. No, we're going to release it this date. No, never mind. I think that's just, like, it's super wishy-washy and so, and I guess almost disheartening in a way. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, Wonder Woman has been delayed till Christmas, maybe, which is really funny because um, 
Dune is supposed to be released December 18th. But oh, I don't wow. think I don't think they're gonna do that either. Yeah. Uh, I think all of these movies are definitely like theatrical release style movies that need the that big screen. Uh, right. Yeah. So I think they're just gonna be. I don't think we're going to be seeing movies, big movies in theaters for a while. Yeah. They tried with. Te- I think Tenant was the movie that they were gonna try with, but it didn't do well. Nobody, nobody's going to the movie theaters, and the people who are are just like okay like go go to your covid factory i guess (laughs) um i know disney released mulan on a special subscription for disney i was seeing people talking about how it was 30 extra dollars to watch it on its release or you could wait till december to watch it for free and i was like "Uh uh-huh i'll pick that option yeah (laughs) Yeah, and uh, so I'm wondering if they did as well as they thought they would do, uh, releasing it for those 30 extra dollars, whereas, I mean, even a movie ticket, what would that be like, what, $15 per person? So yeah. you're paying double, but you, I guess more people can watch in the same room. I don't know. Um, I wonder if that's an option, like releasing it like they released Mulan. Yeah, I don't know what kind of money it brought in for that. Uh, I'd be interested to find out. But I was also more interested to see the very um, dichotomized re, uh, reviews of it from just people that I know online of either really, really loving it or really, really hating it. So maybe not really, really hating it, but just being like meh over it, like don't like not even worth 30 bucks. <laughs> so um, yeah. I will tell you when I watch it for free in December. <laughs> <laughs> So oh, I follow um, uh, a Chinese, like a, a Chinese dress historian on Twitter. And oh, that's really awesome. Yeah. So she like, I love, I love artists. I love like costuming and stuff like that. And that's what she does. She, uh-huh. she, uh, she studies like uh, old, like Chinese imperial dress and stuff like that and stuff like that. And she makes costumes as well. Nice. She, and she's, she's Chinese herself mm-hmm. and she watched it and she fucking tore it apart. Wow. She hated this movie. Uh-huh. And I was just all like, dang girl. Okay. <laughs> she did. She did the clothes. She did the makeup. She did the, <laughs> the wow. style. Um, um, even the, the folklore and everything and how badly it was interpreted. A big one that I didn't realize it was that a Phoenix in Chinese uh, mythology doesn't like burn up and is reborn again. That's a Western, mm. that's, a, that's a very much Western. Mm-hmm. Another thing is that uh, witches, uh, witches as we know them uh, and as how it was portrayed in the Mulan movie, they don't have those. It's more accurate to say uh, a spirit or like a malicious oh, spirit yeah. uh-huh. than to say a witch. So she was just she she got into the details on why, on why this was and why she just absolutely hated it. That's very surprising to me, given that it's Disney and that they, at least as recently as Coco, had put so much into the um, the, the background representation and the yeah the um, what do you call it. Uh, when you go and you do research, research. <laughs> there you go. The research of cultural, um, but you know, they aspects. Have to- and so, yeah. So, but I mean, 
I think this one is a little bit different because Coco was a brand new property and this is something that people already knew and I don't know, I'm just guessing that maybe they were trying to make sure that fans of the animated series were uh, appeased. I don't know. But yes, I've heard some of those similar things, Jen, um, to, on the uh, the on Facebook to the people who were uh, on the side of not liking it. it. It all had to do with just not getting it right culturally. Yeah. Well, I mean, and they had to get Coco right because they were trying to uh, they were trying to get um, the Day of the Dead, and they got such a backlash that they had to be representative in Coco. They had to do their research because they did so badly in trying to. What was it? Uh, they they were trying to trademark uh, Day of the they Dead. They tried to trademark Day oh, of the Dead. Oh, oh my gosh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yes. And people but, got pissed. Yeah. The and fucking Mexican why. government got pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they had to do it right because Lalo was involved and he was going to burn shit down if they didn't. <laughs> Absolutely. And with Mulan, um, I don't know if you guys saw this anywhere, but they put like the people, the producers, the writers, the directors, all of those lists are all white men. None of them are Chinese. The, the, produce, the people who produced the movie were all white they yeah so while the the actors were chinese the the people who were making again there it suffers the problem of what we what we have identified for ourselves as latinidad right uh, they yes. had none of that and it, again it emphasized the importance of having people of these backgrounds in the production teams mm -hmm. as the directors as the costume designers as the makeup designers uh are like all of these people like you're they know what their culture is, not these other people who are from the outside. Mm -hmm. And so it suffered a lot from that. And from, from what I've seen on like my, on my timeline and, and all of that, uh, it seems to be mostly like a negative reaction. Mm -hmm. uh, I, there's some people on Facebook who's just like, yeah, I loved it. But then I look at who it is and I'm just like, of course you would. You don't know any better. <laughs> I think that, um, it takes a very long time for movies to be produced. And mm -hmm. this isn't even an animated movie. And this has been in production for a very long time. I remember us talking about it, you know, when it was first in talks. Mm -hmm. A lot has happened in our culture uh, during that time. And I think that the community as a whole, American community as a whole, uh, American culture as a whole, just even worldwide culture, uh, when it comes to pop culture, has changed and is changing very rapidly. And people's eyes are more specifically focused on this type of stuff. And I think that very few production companies uh, are going to be able to get away with this for, for very much longer. Um, mm -hmm or at least i mean they might get away with it in that they make the product but people watching it um are going or word of mouth is going to spread very quickly and i think that the reactions of people just not spending their money on the property is going to speak volumes to these companies at least i hope that's what happens mm -hmm. yeah absolutely oh, all right, guys, it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today, Jen? So today we are reviewing actually a book that I uh, supported in, 
on Kickstarter and uh, I got volumes one and two for them. But we are reviewing Booza, which is set uh, in an urban fantasy Middle East that follows Zach and Sam, two young people trying to get by in the sprawling nation of Daulat al-Hayr. Uh, as they re-examine their cultural identity and find a family in each other and the people they meet there. So I'm I'm pretty sure I butchered that and I'm so sorry, but <laughs> it is uh it 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 is an LGBTQ um uh, specifically Middle Eastern fantasy piece that is set in the nineties, uh, but with like some historical like fiction going on because there's like some catastrophe that's addressed in the book very briefly that like something happened a hundred years ago and that led to uh how things are uh, now in that book. So it's set uh, in New Year's Eve in 1997. And I first saw it when I was actually kickstarting Manana, uh, when I was like supporting oh. it. And then uh, I got a bunch of recommendations. And so, and then I saw this and I was just like, ooh, that sounds interesting. I've never, <laughs> I like, I don't think a lot of people realize just how rich a lot of Middle Eastern culture is in folklore and mythology and in mm-hmm. stories. And so I, I, it piqued my interest and I supported the Kickstarter and then I got well, the PDF of volume one and two uh, and I read it and I was absolutely blown away. It was, it's, yeah. it is beautifully done. It is beautifully written as well. And it's actually, I didn't realize till later, but it's actually available for free on Tapas and Webtoon. Oh, wow. Nice. So listeners now, uh, after you finish listening to this episode, you could jump right on to either Webtoons or Tapas and um, read this for free for your very self. So that's actually pretty cool. I was going to ask you how you first came across it because um, it is very unique and I had never heard of it. And um, (laughs) I was, after reading it, was like, why the fuck haven't I heard of this? Because mm-hmm. it was fucking amazing. It was amazing. So uh, it's all done by Shazleen Khan, who is a London-based illustrator, writer, and designer, and she specializes in comics and narrative work. Uh, she began self-publishing her graphic novel work in 2011 and has since gone on to achieve uh, like uh, a BA uh, in illustration, as well as a master's in children's books and graphic novels. And she actually won an award for Booza. Uh, I believe, uh, let me see, I have it right here. Yeah, the Broken Frontier Award for Best Web Comic. That's awesome. Uh, wow. Yeah. And so it's just, I was absolutely blown away by this, and I'm so happy I supported it. Like, yes, I could have read it for, like, after I read it, I was like, oh, I could read it for free. I was just like, but I'm glad I supported this and that I could bring it, because the Kickstarter was to bring the into a print book okay uh and it was actually since she is london based uh it charged me in pounds and that was later converted into american money um but to get volumes one and two it was no more than 15 dollars oh nice yeah so like once the conversion everything it was 15 dollars to get volumes one and two pdf format and of course there's like you can read it for free but i really love this pdf format because one on webtoons the the pages are pretty narrow Uh, in volume one you can see kind of the webtoon format and how it was pretty like long like Mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. well this one is very much like a book and it it adds a bunch of like little more details 
uh, in like the back matter and pages and stuff like that, that you don't see on Webtoons because it was specifically set aside for the Kickstarter book oh, nice. uh, slash PDF, which was a lot of like the back matter and like the stories and stuff like that, that she had. But Shazleen Khan herself is, uh, she's a, a queer Bangladeshi illustrator. So okay. she, I believe she's, uh, she's originally from Bangladesh and then she moved to live, uh, to live in London. That's pretty I, awesome. I totally love the art. Um, yes. It was just so mm. amazing. The pastels, that kind of like that um, desert exotic feel to it. And I love <laughs> how she draws the characters that are kind of a gender fluid like yes yes they, uh, that they was are. so amazing i mean sam who at first i thought was a little a, a tiny boy turns out to be a girl but mm-hmm. she just happens to have a lot of um hair i mean she even has yeah. leg hair and stuff like that and mm-hmm. um i think on some of the back matter on the first uh trade uh she had said you know like i just i was just tired of seeing women drawn without hair and so yeah. why not, you know? And she yeah. actually said that she got some backlash for for it from readers um, about what, why are you doing that? Like, it's gross or whatever. And um, yeah, and she was like, why not? Like, she, she mm-hmm. was tired of there being, it being normalized that women mm-hmm. didn't have hair. Yeah. Exactly. Not only and that, I, felt, I, w- I felt that refreshing. I love that. I have hair all over my legs right now, by the way. <laughs> oh, same, same, same. same. When, when I read that and I read her reasoning, I looked at my legs and I was just so, like, sick. I haven't yeah. shaved in forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, no one's going to see, so I haven't shaved in forever. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was like, it was little moments like that, that, like, I made it feel, like, super real and genuine. Yeah. And just, like, the fact that this is, uh, I love the 90s fashion for it. It's so it, it's so funny because I look at it and like I we have old pictures of my mom and my dad from the '90s uh, when they first immigrated here and a lot of the fashion that is that you can see on that I see like in the photos of my mom and dad and their friends of the time like how they're dressed and stuff like that so I thought it was I thought it was like really nice and how she's able how she's managed to able to capture that '90s feel but still kind of make it like futuristic and Mm. super fantasy based as well um what i really what i genuinely liked about it though is just the different range of queerness in the book Mm -hmm. because i don't uh like if someone were to read it i a lot of complaints that i've heard about works like this is that it was like is why is it so gay or like why is it so Mm. like why like that it's not realistic that there's like a non-binary person, a lesbian, a gay, uh, someone who's gay or a bisexual or someone who's trans, like they're, that they're all like gathered. I don't think people realize just how- That's super- It's it's an odd complaint and I don't understand it because a lot of my friend group is that. Right, yeah. I think it's very uh, narrow-minded because those people don't experience that, but there's a lot of people mm -hmm. that do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's just because my friend group is, I know people who are trans, I know people who are non-binary, I know people who are gay, who are uh, questioning, who are bi, who are pan, who are like un- all underneath the spectrum, ace yeah. and stuff like that. Another thing is just all like, I mean, queers attract queers, like that's, <laughs> that's basically it. I mean, I can say it, so. <laughs> 
and it's it's true like it wasn't until one i realized that i was bi and then i actively kind of started looking for that community that Mm -hmm. i was able to find it and then i was able to i guess i don't know like intuit someone who was like me Mm-hmm. and was able to naturally form friendships like that so that entire what i really liked about her work is that in the back she puts everybody's like a little profile picture of yeah her, and yes. then uh their pronouns yes. their names and the little like the little pride flags that yeah. identify them some as ace some as non-binary some as pan some as just gay some as bi some mm-hmm. as um uh, uh lesbian so it was it, i like that i like the that little like information because then i didn't have to be like oh i wonder if no she tells me yeah. it's like it's all there i'm just like sick <laughs> <laughs> exactly. so it's just i i don't it what i think what i really like about it though it is that it feels like a fantasy that i would love to live in that yeah I, yeah yeah i think that's that's very accurate for me i i really felt like i was getting like four or five or maybe even six stories all in one oh, and they were all intertwining well, and yes and it was I would get really into this one aspect and then she would take me over to this one I'm like oh yeah I forgot that happened and what's going <laughs> on with them and then she would take me down there and then remind me about this other thing that happened and so I really and and also kind of just like genres all mixed up together. I mean, mm-hmm. when Jen described it and when uh, she actually wrote the description in the Kickstarter, yeah, urban fantasy, Nidal's mid- 90s Middle East, LGBTQ, slice of life, like all kinds. Of, and even there's like some freaking mystery yeah. shit going on in oh, there. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, and so I was like so enthralled in it. I read... Um, of course, I waited till last night to do them all. And then I, there I am opening up the documents and see that each one is 186 pages long. <laughs> so not that I'm complaining because the story is well worth it. And you get a lot of story in each of those. But when I was up late last night trying to finish it for today, <laughs> it was it was a lot. But um, there was just so much going on and just character development and just like and even though I am a cis woman I could identify and relate to a lot of stuff that was going on uh, in this story so um I just loved it so much and I definitely would continue reading Mm -hmm. I completely agree mm -hmm. So some of the things that I really loved about it is how she paid a lot of attention to the background, the architecture of the oh, buildings. Yes. Each, even each city uh, uh, was different. Like the architecture differed from city to city or state to state. I forgot, but I, but definitely city to city because not all of these characters live in the same city. Um, so uh, you could see or, or they travel out to another city and so all of the variations of the architecture and the color schemes and the clothing and the background and definitely the character development was just something that she, I mean, I don't know how she did it. I mean, it's so complex and just beautiful. Not to, mm-hmm. not to mention the colors that uh, she kind of gave every character. It's just really amazing. Um, like you were saying, Kristen, you're reading one story from one of the characters, for instance, um, for Zach, you're reading one story, but then you didn't realize that 
they actually made contact with another character that comes on later in the mm -hmm. story, uh, which is Musa. And then, then she flips it around and she shows us that moment in time and then take it away to Musa's story. And mm -hmm. that was just, whoa. I mean, I don't know why no one has done that before. I mean, I've seen it in movies, but um, but reading it is a totally different thing because she actually takes you she takes you all the way and then brings you back again and takes you again and it's just like really really amazing writing and I could see why she won an award because this is just really a really talented work she really yeah. did her homework I know in the back she was uh, describing how um, she tried to be as realistic because some of these cities have similarities to actually existing cities and how she wanted to be true to, uh, to the architecture so that mm -hmm. was amazing to me and I just I like at first, like I like how confused I was on maybe the gender or the pronoun <laughs> of the of the characters, but I like how it wasn't like a big deal. Like you, he, she, she, she kind of led you into it. Kind of like, um, you know, she, it's sort of like when I say that a story doesn't talk down to the reader. This is one of oh, them. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Um, again, I think what this story also really did well with is and we have said uh we have praised books that use spanish without any like translation for what it means yes uh or like just it's it's thrown in there and it feels natural and that's exactly what this feels like with um, um with the names of the cities being all in arabic and names and um, places and even like the food styles and everything and the, the clothes that people are wearing as well it uh, and she specifically said in the back matter that uh she based the architecture of each city based on places that she's been to that she's lived in and uh, that just uh, or that she's that she knows her friends have lived in uh that featured like you like are heavily muslim so she uh this she she herself is muslim too so i just I just loved how she was able to uh, very uh, like without without thought or being like oh, like oh I wonder if people will understand this no she just she just put it all in there and she's just like this is this is my fantasy world and this is how I envision it and this is this is how it is and I I can't help but commend that um, I feel like I should specifically uh, say more about the book and the book itself follows Zach and Sam uh and then volume two focuses on two more characters zen and musa uh and these are kind of like our four main characters uh zach is uh it's really funny because he he's kind of like a con artist uh but he's also like um, um a phone call sex worker yeah. uh, which yeah. was really funny because that's how he meets zen who accidentally confuses his phone number for like a uh, like uh, uh, like a therapy hotline. Yeah. So he calls that number, uh, and he's just like he's just like I need someone to talk to, and then he's like, "Boy, uh, <laughs> you have called the wrong number." But then what I found uh, what I found really funny or sweet was just like he heard that Zen Zach heard that uh, that Zen was in pain, and he's just like, "I'll talk to you." Like there's no phone sex needed. I, I'll just be someone that you can, that you can, that you can talk to. And over the course of volume one and volume two, they form a relationship. And I think that was a long distance relationship because they are both like on opposite ends of, of the, 
of um, uh, the world map that we're giving that is basically the entirety of the Middle East and some parts of uh, Asia as well. So, oh, that's another thing that I really loved about, about the book is the sheer range of the characters themselves because mostly everybody was kind of like um, uh, drawn very kind of, they, they were just all beautiful, mm -hmm. but they were still, um, um, you could definitely tell that there's different races and different um, uh, ethnicities uh, in there as well, which I thought was amazing. Absolutely. Um, I like that too, the fact that they don't, like I said, they don't talk down to the audience. And uh, one of the things that, the one of the first things was uh, they they were like, uh, you think I wouldn't recognize Razul? And I was like, what is Razul? So I looked it up and it's basically, uh, it's a messenger or an apostle in Arabic. So I was like, oh shoot, I get it now. And we also find that some of these characters have an animal, not all of them, but for mm -hmm. instance, uh, uh, I believe Sam, she's a, a deer and a rabbit. And, yeah. and then when we, when uh, the, the main character was trying to find somewhere to stay, there was a cat that transformed into a person. And mm -hmm. I was like, that, that took me aback. I had me to read too. that twice. I had to read that twice. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is so Jen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, because that's where the fantasy aspect comes in. But it's woven so well into the story that it's just kind of, you're just kind of, when you're reminded that, like, oh, hey, these people can turn into animals. Like, it's just all like, okay. Like, it almost, that fantasy aspect almost is second place to the interpersonal relationships yes. with the people. And I really, really enjoy that. I think good fantasy should always have like that you have your world of course that's fantastical and magical and like abilities and magic and and uh, like astrology and stuff like that uh and that that's that's cool i mean that's why i like fantasy but a good fantasy focuses on the people and the characters and how they interact with their world i mean that goes for almost any story but uh Shazlene did a fucking amazing job it's uh, she did she made me care for each character that was in there even uh or at least like find like i mean like this person looks sick uh like <laughs> uh like the oh god what was what was his name but like the aria the king yeah the king yeah aria who, i believe or yeah. no she's a prophet i mean he's a prophet yeah he's a prophet the and, yeah the prophet and ruler like i was just like i don't know what you're doing but you look hella cool like I, I mean did you guys notice her uh, his spike heels oh my god i was like those are those are metal they're beautiful and then she had he has like a like an aura or something some kind of magical lighting man and then mm -hmm. her, his jewelry oh my god i'm just like i want to yeah be cool when i grow up you're, so cool. <laughs> you're like he looked cool and i just i love that dedication to like just the clothes and the fashion i thought that was really cool yeah, and I, I completely agree with what you were saying, Jen, is that um, the story is just moving along and then all of a sudden we are like hit in the face with this fantasy aspect, but it's not like overly done. It's not like, uh, mm -hmm. like, oh my God, look at this. Like, it's just part of the story and you just keep on going and almost more importantly is just like these characters living their everyday life. And yes. I really liked that. Uh, about this story 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And I love the little things. I mean, not all the panels had um, dialogue. They were just panels of scenes of, of, of you could see the emotion in the faces, yes. and the distress, or, you know, just, you know, just the excitement. I mean, it, and all of that ties in well with great storytelling. And that's really amazing in itself like I I totally loved it I loved like when they sit down to eat it seems so personal like you're actually invited to the table too I mean where they're when they're making dumplings together when I like oh yeah when they're drinking tea and those those I've drank tea in those cups where it's like a little metal bottom Mm -hmm. and then the glass top that goes into it Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know it or when he makes coffee I'm just like oh that's you know really on point really really real you know kind of slice of life and it's just it was just perfect it moved at a wonderful pace I never felt rushed or I never felt like too much information or not enough information even when the panels had no dialogue or narration I mean it was just brilliant I think the point you made about showing emotion was um very real during the scenes with um with Zen and Zach where they're talking on the phone and their, their relationship is purely over the phone, but the Mm -hmm. way that she directed the panel placement and even placed the, the word bubbles and, you know, the lettering and everything was so amazing and really portrayed the emotions um that were there in part of that relationship and it was very very effective absolutely i mean just when you see like uh zen lean into the phone like you know like almost kind of her head tipped his head tipped back tipped forward uh into that kind of intimate you know when you intimately speak to someone and you're kind of emotional you kind of lean into the phone and kind of your hair kind of comes over your face. I mean, all of that was just uh, really, really propelled the story and really propelled the emotion and and made us have an emotional connection to these characters. Yeah. So I, I I can't say enough. I mean, th- this uh, she's completely amazing. I can't wait to read what happens next. <laughs> it's really a great book. I, I feel people should go out there and seek it out. It's so good. It's that good. Jen is um, we volume one and volume two started as a webcomic. Is she now currently um, posting um, issues of this online? Uh, yes, to- she is. So she, okay. uh, she updates twice a month. Um, um, and uh, the August issues are up on, uh, on Webtoons. I haven't checked Tapas, but it is available on Webtoons. Volumes 1 and Volumes 2 go all the way up to issue number 17. And then after that, issues 18 and onward are, on, um, uh, are available to read on, um, uh, on Webtoons. So okay. you can go and check it out uh, and catch up or just read the entirety of itself. Uh, but I believe she she has a Twitter and an Instagram, and I believe she and she has her own personal page that I think you can buy her comics from as okay. well if she has any left over. Uh, so hopefully, um, if if uh, you're interested, you can or even like if you don't uh, if you want to support them, you can because I believe they have a Patreon as well. But if you just want to read the story, it's available for free on both Tapas and Webtoons. 
Nice. Yeah, she has her own website is www.shazlene and that's S H A Z as in zebra L E E N con K H A N dot com. So I'm sure you can purchase the books there as well. Um, but like Jen says, she has Twitter and she has Instagram and she has a Patri Patreon as well. And that's at Shazleen Space Con. So uh, I I say go to Webtoons now and just read it. <laughs> so don't good. even stop. Start. Don't even finish this episode. Go right now. <laughs> go right now. It's amazing. Yeah. All right, guys. Are we ready to rate it? Yeah. Well, I'm going to start. I'm going to give it the whole panaderia and some tea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is Kristen, and I completely agree. I'm going to give it the whole panaderia, all those dumplings, all the tea, all the coffee. It was just so good. And the fact that she's the sole creator on this project even makes it that much more amazing because she's doing everything. Right. So, and um, being married to an independent creator, I know um, that the job does not just stop once the product is made. She's also her own marketer. She's her own distributor. She's her own, you know, publisher. She does everything. So um, she gets the whole panaderia. Mm -hmm. uh, this is Jen. And same with uh, the other two. I'm giving it the whole panaderia and a nice cup of chai. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, I hope you guys are interested in this book. I really loved it. It's really good. All right, guys, it's now time for On My Radar. Kristen, what's on your radar? Okay, so um, I have another free thing that you uh, all can go and listen to. And this one actually happens to revolve around something that happened um, not too long ago. I believe it was in May. If um, those of you may remember an incident in Central Park where there was a black man who was bird watching and asked a woman to leash her dog. And that led to a whole bunch of craziness, which uh, culminated in her calling the police and, um, while he recorded the incident telling the police that she was going to tell them that a black man was threatening her well uh she was uh she has since then come to be known as central park karen and um the incident had went viral and uh it actually was an incident that happened to be um on the same day that the george floyd incident uh occurred so um what I am, what is on my radar today is actually a new digital first graphic novel by the man that this incident happened to. His name is Christian Cooper, and he was the black bird watcher who filmed this woman uh, that called the police on him after uh, he asked her to leash her dog. And um, he was actually a former comics editor and writer. And um, with DC and actually he has come back to DC to write the first chapter of a DC comics graphic novel that centers around marginalized voices and it's called represent and so um, his uh, his incident happened back in May we're in September now and this um, this graphic novel is actually available for free online and we can share the link uh, connected to uh, this uh, graphic novel um, when we post up this episode. Um, but uh, 
he is writing the first story in this graphic novel and it's called it's a bird and it's um it's the first chapter and it was released for free online on wednesday last wednesday we're in september so today's the 13th so whatever last wednesday was it was released for free online and the comic follows a black teen named jules who while bird watching uses special binoculars that tells the story of george floyd Brianna Taylor um, and others killed by police. Um, and so uh, in a press release about the graphic novel, Cooper says that he hopes young people will read the book and be inspired to keep the focus where it needs to be, which is on those we have lost and how we keep from losing more. So um, there was a press release um, all about his first chapter being released for free. And um, in this uh, in this um, article, they just say to look for more of resistance in 2021. But like I said, for now, you can read the full chapter chapter for free online, and um, you uh, you can actually go to uh, readdc.com uh, to read it for free. So, um, and like I said, we can share the link. But if you want to go now, readdc r e a d d c dot com. And now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes, guys. And today, me and Sarah has a Juntos y Fuertes. It's on. Um, it's a collaboration on a beer. Uh, for, uh, it's a collaboration from Brujeria Company. Uh, remember, we talked about them before. It's uh, it's actually spelled Brew, B R E W, and then Heria Company. Um, also, so it's a play on words. It's a play on words. That's and awesome. actually, they they had a, a kind of a. Well, this was years ago. We talked about them because they were having like a like a beer beer garden. Yes, event. I remember. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Brujeria Company, it's Norwalk Brew House, and South Central Brewing Company have teamed up to bring you a a canned product, a canned beer product. Uh, uh, it's it's teamed up with LA Street Vendor co- uh, Campaign, and it brings it to you, calling it Los Vendors. And Los Vendors, uh, the artwork on the can is done by Lalo Alcaraz, uh, who is a cartoon, the political cartoonist, uh, um, creator of La Cucaracha. Uh, so it's an American wheat ale with mango and mm. pineapple. So I'm excited. My favorite. <laughs> yes. So there are part of the proceeds of the selling of this beer is going to go to www.inclusive action.org and inclusiveaction.org is a los angeles street vendors campaign a citywide effort to create a permit system for street vendors uh, inclusive action is helping to lead the campaign to help low-income entrepreneurs building strong businesses and to take care of their families so some of the things they're doing right now is they are raising money to uh, f- uh it kind of a a cash assistant program providing $400 cards, uh, cash cards to undocumented street vendors. And you know, because they can't get, right now during the pandemic, they're not able to sell mm-hmm. uh, th- their products. And so these people are mainly, mostly undocumented. So they can't ask for help or have no way of seeking help. And or so, unemployment. or unemployment, yes. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fund is being organized by street vendors and the leadership and leadership of the LA Street Vendor Campaign. So if you buy this beer, guys, 
it will contribute to a wonderful cause. But you don't have to wait for the bill to release later in September. You can actually go to www.inclusiveaction.org and donate. Nice. Yes. Uh, because cool. these, yeah, these people, you know, I, I sometimes see, um, the fruit vendors around the city and I think to myself like I really want to stop and buy some but I'm so scared of COVID-19 that I'm just not buying them and I feel like if I think like that how many other people out there are feeling the same way it's so true I actually stopped the other day because it was so freaking hot and this woman was on the side of the road selling fruit and um out there with just her little umbrella and the fruit and the in the ice looked so refreshing. I was like, Eddie, you got to stop. But as I was there, I start like watching what she's doing. And I start seeing that her mask keeps falling down. And I was just like, okay, if this is how I go, this is how I go. Cause I'm going to eat that. Fruit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But you're absolutely correct. Like there, there's probably a lot of fear out there. And I mean, it's very founded and valid, you know, that it's a, it's a, it's a fear of, um, of contracting, you know, something through, I was just telling Eddie this morning, as we were sitting at a restaurant eating breakfast, that there was a study that uh, came out recently, and it wasn't like a huge study. And it wasn't a very, like scientific study. I think they just did an anecdotal study of, and it was very small, like 100 people who contracted COVID. And, um, more than half of them had eaten at a restaurant within the last uh, wow. couple of days, like within the last week of them getting sick. Wow. So there was no way to prove that that's how they got it. But just like the study came out and it made me think, uh, you know, that, you know, you're, you honestly, unless you're, you're making your own food at home, you don't know what is going on behind the scenes in the kitchen as it's coming to you, whatever. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, not that, you know, I'm, I advocate spreading fear, but just, you know, education and being, uh, realistic. And, uh, but I did, I had that, I had that <laughs> exact thought. I was like, well, if this is the way I go, this is the way I go. And I'm going to enjoy the crap out of this, <laughs> this cold fruit. <laughs> nice. And now it's time for saludos. Um, and today uh, we are sending saludos to who, Kristen? We are sending saludos to the 2020 Latino Comics Expo worldwide. Latino Comics Expo was originally founded by Javier Hernandez and Ricardo Padilla. And this is their ninth year, I believe, of Latino Comics Expo. And this is their first year, obviously, of them having to go online uh, due to COVID. But um, it uh, starts on September 13th and goes all the way through to the very next uh, week end, which is what? What next Saturday is uh, the third, the 20th? Um, so there is programming every week. And um, if you are listening to this podcast after that week has already passed, there will be archived uh, panels up on MOLA, Museum of Latino uh, Art um, Museum. Uh, their YouTube, and I believe you can also access it on their website, uh, and you can watch all of the panels that happen during that week. 
Yeah, and the coolest thing I found is like if you register, we have actually shared the link. You register beforehand, they email you uh, the they email you the link uh, to so you could just click on it and watch the panel when it starts at noon. Um, that's actually what I did today. I saw the Latina Power um, panel that was actually moderated by Kristen and it was really awesome. <laughs> Had such a good time. And let me tell you, I was laying there in bed with my laptop and I watched the thing and it was just so comfortable. Like I, I had my coffee <laughs> yeah. there. I was just like, you know, this is great. You know, uh, how, I mean, Yes, the pandemic sucks and whatever, and we would have liked to have gone to actually a physical location, but it's not available. And just having the panels online yeah. is just great. It's just mm -hmm. really fabulous. So I really highly recommend you register for the panels that you want to see. And that way they can email you right before the panel starts. You can just click on the link and just wait till the panel starts. It's really cool. Really, really No cool. hall H lines, no sleeping overnight. You Get the best yep. seat in the house every time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. And the cool thing is you can, they're interactive. So you can ask the panelists questions while they're talking and doing the panel. And then they address the questions sometime during the panel. So it's really amazing and really fun. I, I found it to be fun and super entertaining. And it was just a great panel to be to be a part of assisted Yay. audience member. That was super cool. I'd also like to send saludos. I know I've been talking a lot about Concrete Comics, but finally, finally guys, Concrete Comics' Kickstarter is going live on Monday, September 14th, and it's called Genesis. I'm not sure what it is because we still haven't seen it, but I'm very excited if you wanna, uh, participate in the Kickstarter or back it. Uh, remember, we have a Mexican superhero, Andy Starboy, that is going to be, uh, they're going to have issue number one available on that Kickstarter. So check them out, concretecomics.com. And uh, they'll let you know when the when the Kickstarter, well, the, like I said, Kickstarter has gone live Monday, September 14th. So saludos to you guys and Latino Comics Expo. Keep doing the good job because I'm so excited about all the panels I've read about. <laughs> so, uh, oh man, I, I mean, I could go on, but you guys go to the website, look at all the panels. They're really great. It's going to be awesome. Um, anyways, where can they find us, girl? This, this has been a great episode where we're already to the end of this episode. Where can they find us? You can find us on Facebook at Comic Comadres and then also on Instagram at Comadres y Comics. You can find us on Twitter at Comic Comadres where you can DM us a message. Yes, you can also email us directly at comadresycomics at gmail.com or now you can see our YouTube channel where we have Las Platicas and we invite a guest and we talk all about their awesome work. And we just put out a new episode out on, uh, you, all you have to do is search Comadresi Comics Podcast on YouTube and all our videos come up. We just interviewed uh, Greg Elise, Anderson Elise, who is the creator of Isnana. Just check it out. If you can't watch it, you could definitely just put it on in the background and listening to listen to all the awesome stuff he's been working on and is working on currently so um, also friendly reminder if you'd like to um, review our podcast on uh, Apple Apple podcast so that maybe for a chance to be um, included in our ad page in the mash one encrypted so um, hopefully you can do that for us uh, we will also have an option on our Facebook page as well thank you guys for listening we have been your host I'm Sarah I'm Kristen 
And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.